Aging Matters on WERA is brought to you in part by Synergy Home Care. Synergy Home Care provides premier in-home care for you or your loved one throughout Northern Virginia, including personal care, homemaker services, companion and memory care, and transportation. Call 703-558-3435 or visit SynergyHomeCare.com for more information. Synergy Home Care will find a care solution to meet your needs. Good afternoon and welcome to Aging Matters on Arlington Independent Media's community radio station, WERALP Arlington, 96.7 FM. I'm Cheryl Beversdorf, your host. Transportation is a key activity of daily living for older adults. While driving is the preferred way to get around, research shows this population tends to outlive driving ability. Additionally, Because the pandemic's mandated social distancing measures have affected how older adults can access transportation services, additional options are needed. Today, my guests are Jennifer Kinnerick, Program Manager with NV Rides, and Carol Edelstein, Secretary of the Board of Directors of Shepherd's Center of Arlington, McLean, and Falls Church. They will talk about the importance of transportation for healthy living and wellness among older adults. They'll also discuss how their volunteer transportation service partnership in Northern Virginia is serving older adults. So welcome, Jennifer and Carol, and thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Cheryl. Let's get started. Jennifer, why don't we start with you? Let's just kind of give a general overview of why transportation is important Uh, for older adults. I mentioned it in my intro, but perhaps you can expand on that concept. Sure, thanks. Um, So transportation can be one of the biggest obstacles for an older adult who's looking to safely age in place. Once a senior has to give up driving, it's exponentially harder to stay in their own homes. Simple tasks like getting to the doctor or the grocery store become much more difficult. So You know, they might have to rely on friends or families or neighbors, but if they don't have a support system in place, public transit or taxis are an option, but they can be expensive and also pretty cumbersome for those who are not um, used to using those types of transportation. And also for frail, older adults, it's really not a very sustainable option. Okay, and Carol, from your perspective, Tell us a little bit more about why transportation is important for older adults. Sure. Well, I I would certainly reiterate Jennifer's comments about independence. This is probably one of the last things that seniors want to maintain is their independence, and it's difficult without transportation. So they also don't want to bother their family or their children. Right. Mm -hmm. And the idea of public transportation... um, is overwhelming. It becomes difficult to manage and the whole idea of having to organize and get to public transportation is something that um, they just can't handle. 
All right. Well, Jennifer, let's move a little bit uh, closer in terms of how what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, are you seeing that the availability of transportation alternatives does help uh, older adults live more independently in their communities? And of course, we'll be talking more about now with the pandemic. But just in general, what would you tell us? Oh, 100 percent. You know, transportation, you know, access to transportation is one of the biggest obstacles for a senior who is, you know, wishing to stay in their home um, and, and needs to do their activities of daily living, like get to medical appointments or the grocery store, even socialization rides like to um, spiritual services or visiting a friend or going to the hairdresser, really. Um, and, you know, what we're focused on with NV Rides and our partner network is volunteer transportation. Um, and so we'll get a little bit into that later in the show. But um, yeah, it, it really does take the obstacle out of living independently for many of the folks that we help with volunteer transportation. Okay, well, and Carol, in your experience, what are you seeing in, in, in connection with physical and mental issues that restrict older adults' ability to drive? And, and how does that affect their lives? Because it's such an important ability to, to continue to live independently. So what are some of the main uh, barriers that will impact their, their, their driving ability? Well, that's a great question, Cheryl. Um, the the physical losses are many, unfortunately. You know, there's beginning vision loss, whether that's difficulty in um, seeing when you're driving or the night vision, which becomes more difficult, that becomes frightening. There's hearing loss. Of course, we want to make sure that everyone is alert when driving and that little bit of hearing loss starts creeping in. The whole idea of being able to walk with good balance, not having that fear of falling. Some of that starts happening and um, simply getting to the car, in and out of the car, walking into a physician's appointment, for example, there is fear that one might fall. And then there are the other areas uh, of judgment. You know, sometimes the ability to think quickly and react quickly is critical in having a safe ride. So some of that starts changing. The ability to react becomes slower. And I think of my mother, actually, when I talk about this issue, her ability to make those quick decisions alerted us as her children that she was having difficulty stopping when the light was turning yellow, uh, making the right uh, signal when she was going to turn right or left. That begins to happen. And then additionally, there's some memory loss or confusion for some people that starts setting in and some are aware of it and some are not. So the day-to-day -day activities become harder to manage and um, becoming independent on others, which is not what any of us want to do, uh, it starts happening as well. And some of this can lead to depression. Um, when you think about it, getting older is full of losses of different types. We lose our control to make decisions we lose our independence, and those affect our overall attitude about life. So um, all of this compounds and makes this whole issue about driving a really challenging one as we get older. 
And Carol, have you seen now um, what's happened as far as older adults getting around and if they can't drive? Um, are, are they also having difficulty or have they thought about uh, using public transportation? Well, that's another great question. I, I would say that that for this question, I'd focus on two major things that we're seeing. Um, isolation, which is uh, it's something that we're all dealing with to a certain extent right now, right, with the pandemic. But for seniors who um, feel even more limited, they are suddenly unable to see family. They're unable to see friends. Um, there are safety constraints that they are placing on themselves, but families and our and our whole uh, population is placing on them. So they're feeling that the safest place is to be inside, which means they no longer are able to get together with their friends at church. They're not able to get together for lunch or dinner out. That connection is gone or it's or it's uh, become much harder to make. And this whole area of technology for you and I, we're now on the radio, we've been able to figure out how to get connected. But for seniors, that is a barrier for them. There, many of them are unable to use a computer to get on a Zoom call. They're having difficulty with using that iPhone and they're unable to connect with others. So the whole idea of connecting, the idea of getting out and and managing something like transportation, public transportation, becomes overwhelming and they are more and more secluded and isolated. Um, it is a big problem, not going away anytime soon. And unfortunately, both of those lead oftentimes to depression based on that loneliness that they're feeling. Yeah, and, and you bring up, a, and thank you for mentioning also about the family and friends. It also occurs to me, going back to what we were talking about uh, older adults' ability to drive, and then if there's more of a disconnect right now because of the pandemic, trying for family and friends to try to prevent their older adult, the parents or relatives from driving can also be very traumatic for everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. You've hit it right on the head, Cheryl. Um, I mean, another thing to, to think about when you think about public transportation is, you know, in past, we didn't even give a thought to hopping on a bus or hopping on the metro. But for seniors who know that they're um, they're in the, the high-risk group with the pandemic, they are concerned about being close to people because they've been told not to be close to people. Well, that's what happens when you get on public transportation. They're concerned that others on the metro or the bus are not following COVID precautions, like wearing their masks, wearing their gloves, distancing, et cetera. Um, and they're concerned about the, the lack of air circulation because we're reading about that on buses or taxis. So it compounds, all those issues become um, quite frightening. Well, and that's a good segue into my question for Jennifer about Uber and Lyft. What What's happened to Uber and Lyft during the pandemic? It would seem it might be a little safer, but uh, what, are, what are you seeing, Jennifer, in terms of older adults using that option? That's a good question. Thank you, Cheryl. Um, yeah, many older adults do use these services. However, you know, if they're on a fixed income, it can be very expensive to use these services for everyday life. Um, also, 
because many of those that we serve are older and a little bit more frail, they really appreciate the gentle assistance that the volunteer driver can offer. Um, and, and again, it is the companionship piece. A volunteer driver is going to offer more socialization, um, you know, and some care into the ride, which the people that we serve really do appreciate. Oftentimes, volunteer drivers become friends with the person that they drive and really beautiful relationships are formed. One other point that I will make is during the pandemic, um, you know, as many of um, our organizations and many organizations in the adult, um, you know, world have had to pivot their operations during this time, um, you know, we have created some partnerships with some of our, some of our community partners where we, if a volunteer driver is not able to pick up a ride, um, we have a partnership with Fairfax County, um, just in Fairfax County, that will enable um, our, our clients to use a taxi voucher. And what we've heard um, in those instances is that the person using the service feels more comfortable with a volunteer driver, knowing that they will be the only person in the vehicle for that day, whereas Ubers, Lyfts, taxis, you know, there's really no way to track how many people have been in the vehicle, how well the, the vehicles are being cleaned. Um, and so that's where the volunteer transportation piece has really been a benefit to those who use these services during this, this, really, this, this time. And Carol, from your perspective with Shepherd Center, are you also seeing that volunteer transportation programs is the preferred way to travel right now? And, and why? Absolutely, Cheryl. Um, we've heard so much feedback from our, our riders that they, uh, as, as Jennifer said, they feel comfortable because they know the driver. And um, there's a lot of fear around pan the pandemic right now. So to know that the driver is someone familiar, to have been informed by Shepherd Center that these are the guidelines that we use. For example, um, we do have the driver's uh, wear mask as we expect the client to, and there's no question about it. That's what happens. Um, they are asked to sit in the back, back seat on the far side. Uh, the driver uh, has wiped down the seat that they're sitting on prior to their entering the vehicle. Um, and we keep the windows cracked so that we have air circulation. So they are, uh, as a rider, they are confident that those guidelines are being followed and there's a great sense of relief there. They are provided with a door-to-door -door transportation. And as Jennifer said, they're the only one that's in that car. There are not other riders. Um, there's just the comfort of knowing that the driver is more or less like a neighbor. If you think about it that way, a neighbor is picking you up, taking you to your destination in a safe environment. So a great sense of relief when uh, the world is, is full of fearful things right now. So Jennifer, Explain to us, what is NV Rides? What, what is its mission? How long has it been around? Uh, how did it get started? So NV Rides coordinates a network of local community-based organizations that help their older neighbors with transportation needs. And so what we do as a program is coordinate all of the community-based organizations that are providing rides volunteer transportation for seniors, um, or if there is an organization 
that feels they could benefit from a volunteer driver program but does not yet have one set up, we will help them set up a program. So when we talk about community-based organizations, it's churches, synagogues, mosques, um, community centers, organizations that are already assisting older adults. And so what we do is we support our partner network by providing the tools um, to help them run their programs more efficiently. Many of the organizations that we work with are volunteer-led themselves, and so they don't really have the staff resources to market to recruit volunteer drivers. Um, also, they have limited resources in terms of funding, and so we pay for all of the volunteer driver background checks for all of our partner organizations. And the real centerpiece of the program is that we provide a cloud-based ride scheduling software provided to all of our partners free of charge, um, which would be very costly for them to obtain independently. So we're able to bundle as many groups onto our um, onto our contract and our, our plan with our vendor there. So that's really a very, very useful tool in order to streamline um, services. And also it helps partner organizations coordinate with one another. And so they're, they're networked and they can share resources in terms of volunteers and ideas and best practices. Um, we were started in 2014, so we're coming up on our six-year anniversary, or we just had our six-year anniversary, and we were actually originated in Fairfax County. We are um, a partnership um, with the Jewish Council for the Aging in Montgomery County, which runs a similar type of program. Um, we're housed at the Poses Jewish Community Center of Northern Virginia, and we are funded through um, the Federal Transit Administration um, Enhanced Mobility uh, Program. And so we receive money from um, the, the FTA and also from local um, Fairfax County government because we are also heavily partnered with Fairfax County. And the reason why the program was started was because in 2012, the Fairfax County Board of Supervisors was taking a look at how to make Fairfax County more age-friendly. And so they came up with a plan for the basic needs that are needed, um, that are required for seniors to age in place in their homes and in their community. And so the board created a strategic plan um, to help older adults in Fairfax County age you know, in their homes. And transportation came up as one of the emerging, top emerging needs for seniors to be able to remain at home. And that's where this initiative was started. Um, really, it was a, a group of community um, organizations, local government stakeholders um, coming together to figure out how to, um, you know, assist with the transportation piece for, for seniors. And Jennifer, you had mentioned already the kinds of organizations in the network are you always looking for more organizations to be a part of this uh, program partner network? Sure, we are. Um, I wouldn't say we're always looking. However, we are always continuing to fill gaps in service. So right now, um, if you look at the map of Northern Virginia, most areas and neighborhoods do have a 
volunteer driving component in some capacity, whether it be a shepherd center or a village. But there are some what we call dead zones where um, they don't where there are areas that are not covered. And in those specific situations, we are looking for, you know, um, community based organizations to think about who starting a type of program like this community based organizations that already sort of have the infrastructure in place to manage a volunteer driver program. And we would provide the tools to them to get their program up and running. Okay. So if they wanted more information, do they go on your website? Where where would they look? You can visit us online at www.nvrides.org, all one word. And on there, there's um, sections for people who are looking for transportation options. There are sections to read for those who are looking to offer their volunteer assistance. And there is an area to find out how to become a partner and start a volunteer driver program with NV Rides. And if uh, a person, a listener wanted to log on, is there, should they just call somebody or fill out some information? What would you tell sure. them to do? So if, if somebody is interested in um, obtaining services, they can call 703-537-3071. Um, also for requesting services and for volunteering, that is the line to call. You can also send an email to info at nbrides.org. Okay. So both of you have talked a little bit about it, uh, Carol, a little bit more about what happens in terms of volunteer transportation, but you two are partners. Shepherd Center is a partner with NV Rides. Has the operations of of you know your relationship has it changed since the start of the pandemic are you doing things differently just to calm people's fears and and assure them that everything is okay so both of you we'll start with you carol and then we'll come back to to jennifer as to how things have changed well um cheryl i think with uh, the shepherd center the the biggest change we've experienced is that um our drivers, and we haven't talked a lot about this yet, but our, the profile of our drivers tends to be uh, someone in their upper 60s as an average age. So many of our drivers are actually in their 70s, some even 80. So with the COVID uh, pandemic, some of them have gotten very nervous about driving, and uh, some of them have felt it was best for them not to drive. So if we don't have drivers, <laughs> we have trouble providing that service. So um, we have been able to fortunately recruit some younger drivers who are a little less fearful of driving right now, but that's probably been our greatest difficulty. We've kept in, in close communication always with NV Rides because um, we, we are able to support each other in terms of letting them know what we're struggling with. Um, they often offer ideas to help us find more volunteers um, we've also experienced, and when you think about it, this makes sense because of the isolation that we've talked about and the possibility of depression. We've found more requests from our clients for friendly calls. Now, this is a service that we'll talk about in a minute, but it is a service that Shepherd Center typically provides, someone that can come for a visit, someone that can give you a call to reassure you, to help you if you're not able to get out as much as you'd like to. 
And uh, because uh, of the pandemic, we of course had to stop the visits. However, there was a great demand for callers. So we've been able to uh, find more volunteers who are happy to do the calling, but that's what we've been busiest with while the world is sort of getting used to how do we, how do we manage in this new world. Shepherd Center has been trying to figure out how can we continue that transportation. So meanwhile, the calls have increased. Um, we've also received um, from MV Rides, you know, the some, uh, some uh, personal equipment that we've all needed. So our ability to hand out masks or to hand out wipes to our riders when we are able to drive them has been supported by NB Rides. So the partnership has stayed strong. I think our various needs have perhaps changed or have had to be adjusted a little bit. We're almost ready for a break, but Jennifer, do you have anything to add to that question? You know, when the pandemic uh, or that week in March, when things started to get very surreal for many of us, um, you know, our initial or my initial thoughts as the manager of this program was that here we have two populations, right? We have our, just like Carol mentioned, the demographic of our, the average age of our demographic or our drivers is over 65. And then we have our clients who are, um, could be that age or much older. And so I, you know, we had two risk populations that we were dealing with. And, you know, the question was, how were we going to continue these services? And I would say that the partnerships with our network of partners has actually evolved and strengthened. Um, as the pandemic, you know, started, we were um, all sort of getting together and coming up with a list of safety protocols as guided by the CDC. Um, we purchased additional PPE for all of our partners, masks, hand sanitizers, wipes for their cars, um, thermometers for some organizations who wanted their drivers to be able to monitor their um, to monitor their temperature. And um, I, I will say that, you know, just like Carol mentioned with recruiting younger drivers, that was our main um, sort of project, if you will, as a response to the pandemic is that we have really upped our marketing and outreach now, marketing and outreach, which generally um, is a lot of in-person meetings and presentations and volunteer fairs all also had to pivot online. And so we've really sort of sharpened our toolkit, if you will, of all of our outreach activities to move them online and to also message to the wider population who was experiencing a similar type of social isolation that many older are dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis and sort of message to those people that, you know, volunteer driving is such a crucial piece of helping isolated um, seniors. And so we've been able to recruit um, younger, younger volunteers who feel less at risk for, um, for, for catching the virus and who feel that they're also home. That's one obstacle. And I know that we have to take a break, but one obstacle um, to, to getting younger drivers involved was the Monday through Friday, nine to five work week um, is generally when our partners operate. And so now that many young professionals are working from home and might have a little bit more flexibility in their schedule, we've been trying to convey that this is a great, meaningful way to give back to their community during this very, very um, difficult time. 
Okay, well, we are going to take a break right now. Thank you for that. And we'll be talking more with Jennifer Canaric, Program Manager with NV Rides, and Carol Edelstein, Secretary of the Board of Directors of Shepherd Center. And you are listening to WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. We'll be right back. Aging Matters is brought to you in part by Kathy Corridan, Senior Real Estate Specialist. Kathy is a realtor with KW Metro Center in Alexandria and works with seniors in Alexandria, Arlington, and D.C. to make selling their home and moving less stressful and more successful. More information is available at 703-971-7237 or ccatkw at gmail.com. Welcome back. We are talking with Jennifer Kanarek, Program Manager with NV Rides, and Carol Edelstein, Secretary of the Board of Directors of Shepherd Center of Arlington, McLean, and Falls Church. And so I did want to just from the perspective of the partner organizations that work with NV Rides, Carol, you mentioned a few things about making sure that folks who use these rides are safe in the car. Are there any other precautions that you take to ensure that the older adult riders are are safe? Right, right. Yes, Cheryl. Well, as you mentioned, we did talk about the masks and the the car being wiped down. And um, additionally, you know, we're... um, we're wanting to make sure that our client is is feeling well on the day of the ride that they've requested. So driver will call an hour or two ahead of time, just checking in, how are you doing? And if there's any concern on either one's end, um, they discuss rescheduling. But we want to make sure that they are feeling okay. And if they're not, that that's okay. We can reschedule a ride. Um, We also have, during the the pandemic, um, asked our drivers not to accompany the rider into the doctor's office. And that's, you know, certainly for the safety of the driver. Um, There could very well be other patients in the office. So we ask them to, um, if needed, they can walk the client to the door. But typically they wait in the car and the client has the appointment and then they come out and the, and the driver is waiting for them. So that keeps them both a little bit safer. Um, we, of course, follow all the guidelines that are available to us from Fairfax County Health Department and um, uh, issue those updates via email and via phone calls to our clients. So those are just a couple of extra things that we do. Right. Let's take a step back and just tell us a little bit about Shepherd Center, the mission, how it got started, and what the focus is for your organization. The Shepherd Center was started in the 70s, um, and uh, there is still a Shepherd Center of America, so we have an umbrella Shepherd Center, but communities, as they feel there is a need within their community, they, with the support of the Shepherd Center of America, can develop their own affiliate, which is exactly what happened in McLean Arlington Falls Church um, years ago when there was deemed to be a need. Uh, this is a 501c3 nonprofit. It is 100% volunteer-based. Our particular chapter is. And um, it is an interfaith organization serving older adults in the community. So the, the original mission that was started in, uh, in Missouri in the 70s 
was based on the idea that as we age, older adults still want to give back, still want to be part of a community. And the idea was to have the older adult who was still capable of driving or providing simple services help other older adults in the community who are not as able. So it's, you know, it's older seniors helping their neighbors, which is a, a pretty wonderful mission when you think about it. Um, our particular chapter, which is one of, uh, of six in this area, uh, we focus 100% on transportation with a little bit of handy helper, which is a, a nice opportunity to help someone hang pictures or rake some leaves in the yard, or just sort of small tasks. And of course, the friendly calls and visits. Um, our transportation is primarily to medical appointments, therapy appointments, pharmacy visits, grocery shopping. And uh, let me tell you, in, in case some of our listeners live in other areas, the other local shepherd centers are located in Fairfax Burke. There's another in Great Falls, another one in Vienna Oakton, Reston Herndon, a little bit larger area, another in Annandale Springfield, and then another covers Western Fairfax, which is some areas of Chantilly and Centerville and parts of Fairfax. Um, there are actually 59 chapters in the United States, and that covers 16 states. So it's, um, it's a larger organization sometimes than it appears to be, but it, it kind of pops up in those neighborhoods where local residents want to help their neighbors who are older and unable to drive. So that's a bit of the history. Is there an effort to continue to expand uh, Shepherd Centers throughout the country? I don't know as there is an, an effort to to grow. I think there's an effort to meet needs where they occur. And um, and for instance, when the Great Falls Shepherd Center started um, in this area, it was helped in great part by the McLean Arlington Falls Church Group in terms of forms, in terms of here's how you do this, here's how you start it up, here's how you uh, market for it and network for it. So kind of partners helping partners. So since you're... Uh, the Arlington McLean and Falls Church Shepherd Center is focused primarily on transportation. Did you start out doing this first? I mean, because it sounds like you've been around a long time and then hear about Envy Rides. And what was what was the process? Sure. Well, I'll start with my perspective and Jennifer can jump in um, with the Envy Rides piece. Um, I've been volunteering with this particular Shepherd Center for about five years now. Um, but when they uh, realized a need in the area, this was actually one man who in his neighborhood in McLean and uh, through the parishioners in his church recognized that there was a need. He thought about it. He found out that there was a Shepherd Center of America and he went ahead single-handedly and started up our chapter with the McLean area. At the time, he was able to get some support from the Oakton Vienna group in terms of, of forms, because there are applications, there are guidelines that you want to provide to clients, etc. And um, uh, he got wonderful support from them to get started. And when um, Envy Rides began their uh, wonderful support partner program, uh, McLean Arlington Falls Church was indeed a flagship partner. So um, that's how that, that all began for us. And um, 
we've had continued assistance in terms of recruiting for volunteers. And recently, actually for our chapter, we were recruiting for an executive director and Jennifer and the NB Rides group helped us get that word out. Um, we were able to hire an executive director. And uh, they also do a great job of referring inquiries to Shepherd Center of McLean Arlington Falls Church. And in terms of your relationship with Shepherd Center, is, th- is this kind of a long process then? If Shepherd Center got in touch with you, how long does it take, say, to kind of start working together? So when the program started in 2014, there had been, um, you know, once the POSIS JCC was presented with this opportunity from Fairfax County, which is where this sort of originated, um, there was about a year and a half of steering committee meetings that were um, coming together and figuring out how this program would work. And so from that steering committee, Um, Once we got up and running, that steering committee turned into an advisory council. Um, And so Shepherd Center of McLean, Arlington and Falls Church was actually um, at the table, um, sort of leading the conversation um, when we were were getting this program up and running. Um, And so at that point, like Carol mentioned, Shepherd Center of McLean, Arlington and Falls Church became one of our um, core groups that started off. We started with Shepherd Center, McLean Arlington Falls Church, Reston Community Center, um, Hernan Village Network, which was an emerging village who was looking to start a transportation program, um, and a village in Alexandria called Mount Vernon at Home, um, which was one of the, which actually was the first established um, village in the um, Washington, D.C. area. And so the process is for a partner organization or for an organization that's interested in joining, we would um, sort of have an initial meeting, um, sort of go over what the benefits of the program are. um, And then um, we, you know, we would talk and listen to the organization about what they're looking to do. Once um, it's agreed upon that the organization would like to join, um, there's an MOU that each party would sign. Um, and then we would get to work. We would start building the back end of the organization's um, scheduling database, set them up with um, background checks. And I want to speak a little bit about the background check piece, which is, um, you know, before this program started, there were volunteer driver programs operating throughout Northern Virginia. However, they were siloed and not a lot of them were sort of networked with one another and they really were not um you know, sharing best practices and um, and and really relying on each other for for a little bit of help with resources. And so, part of the reason that Envy Rides background checks every single one of the volunteer drivers for each partner organization is so that we could have a seamless flow of volunteers. So, for neighboring communities that are operating volunteer driver programs, perhaps they could share volunteers in a pinch. If say, you know, somebody is scheduled to pick up somebody. Um, to go to a dialysis appointment, but that driver calls in that morning and has a flu, then, you know, the background check um, piece of it sort of creates a seamless flow. And so one partner organization can call another partner organization for help. Um, And then from there, I would say the process takes from start to finish, um, depending on, you know, the capacity of the organization to um, get ducks in a row and sort of put the word out to their, to their constituents. 
Um, I would say it's about a two to four month process to be able to get everything started and up and running. And of course, the beginning, um, especially if you are a non-established driving program, can take a little bit of time to kind of get buy-in from your stakeholders and from your board and from your uh, and from your members. Um, but we always like to say to those new volunteer driver programs, you really need to start with 10 people, 10 committed people who are willing to able, will, ready, willing, and able to get this off the ground and a commitment for at least five drivers to start piloting and soft launching um, a driving program. Okay. Well, Carol, let's get back to you now. If a person wants to get a ride to a particular destination, do they have to join Shepherd Center? Do they have to become a client? Are there qualifications? What is that process so that people who are listening who think, wow, this is exactly what I'm looking for, what would you tell them about what they need to do? Well, first of all, give us a phone call, and it's an easy one to do. Our phone number is 703 506 2199, or check out the website at scmafc.org. Either of those ways will give you the opportunity to let us know you're interested in being a client, and you will receive a call back or you will see, receive a return email promptly. Um, you can complete an ap application online, and again, some of our clients are are on their computers and, and very savvy in that area. Others just want to leave a message. So um, part of the process, and it's really, really easy to become a client, part of the process is a home visit. And I am one of the folks in our group who does the interview and home visit. And the reason we do that is we certainly want to get to know who this person is that would like to use our services. Uh, we want to make sure that they're... Um, I guess the approach to their home or to the apartment um, is safe. Now, we're thinking in terms of, is the client appropriate? And is it a safe environment for our driver to approach in order to pick up a client? So we have a visit. I'm able to uh, check out the front steps as I walk up. I ring the doorbell. I wait and see um, how long it takes the client to answer the door and let me in. I observe and I tell them this. They understand the process is to make sure that we know that they can walk independently. Um, as I mentioned earlier, the profile of our drivers is upper 60s average age. So many are in their 70s as I am and many others are closer to 80. So they need to know that the client can independently walk to their car, get in the car, exit the car when they're at their doctor's office, etc. So that's part of the visit. Um, I take a lot of time to explain to them um, how we do our rides so that they're very comfortable. Um, I talk a little bit about the profile of our volunteer with the background check, which is extremely reassuring, letting them know that our volunteers come from their own neighborhoods. So we have a get to know you time. We talk about um, the process, which is, is very simple. Uh, when they become a client of ours, uh, we will notify them that, um, you know, we've got the, their name in the system. They've got, we've got the information that we need. 
um, they will receive once they've placed a request for a call, which again is a simple phone call or a simple email to the Shepherd Center saying, here's where I would like to go, here's the date, um, address, um, all the particulars. And our driver, once he or she has accepted a ride, will give the rider a phone call. Say, hey, it's Carol. You know, I'm going to pick you up this Thursday for your doctor's appointment. Um, I see your appointment is 930. How does 915 sound? And they have a chat, confirm the pickup details. The driver might say, oh, be sure to pull in my driveway or, you know, there's a parking spot out front that I've held for you, whatever those particulars are. So it's a smooth, easy sign up and uh, becoming a client uh, or a rider is an easy process. Um, you asked about qualifications. There are minimal qualifications. One is that they need to be 50 or older. They of course need to live in the areas that we cover, McLean, Arlington, Falls Church, Falls, City of Falls Church, and they need to be able to walk independently. Um, having a wheelchair, uh, is not something that we can work with because of the reasons I mentioned earlier. Our drivers are older. The ability to help someone get in and out of a wheelchair needs to be done carefully and with expertise and with someone that is strong and, and probably much younger and that ability to fold and put that wheelchair in the car. So unfortunately, we're not able to help with folks who are in a wheelchair. Um, the rider needs to be able to communicate. We have to communicate with them about the particulars of their ride. They have to be able to communicate with me or another interviewer when we come for a visit. They have to be able to clearly leave a message for us about the particulars of their ride. And um, unfortunately, I know there are some seniors out there who are living in assisted living um, or an independent living community, if that community provides its own transportation to its residents, we are not able to take those residents. We try to focus our rides on those who have no other means of transportation. And um, the rides, of course, are all free, which is a wonderful, wonderful benefit. And there are no financial requirements for any of our riders. Two uh, follow-up questions. One, so you said people who are in wheelchairs would not be eligible. If somebody is able to walk, but they use a walker or a cane, is that still acceptable? Oh, thank you for bringing that up, Cheryl. I omitted that. Absolutely. Because of those types of devices, um, if that's the limited assistance that someone needs, absolutely. Walkers are extremely easy to fold up and pop in the trunk or in the back seat. Canes are easy to pop in the car as well. So thank you for reminding me of that. We'd love to have people with walkers and uh, those canes. The other question is, what happens if they don't speak English? Uh, do you have volunteers who are drivers also that speak Spanish or whatever uh, language might be uh, appropriate for an individual, or how does that work? Can, can you accommodate them? That is a good question, and that's a, that's a tougher one for us, Cheryl. It's, it's, um, it's been difficult. We've had some who uh, have only been able to speak their native language, and we have an immediate barrier. Do we have some drivers that speak other languages? We do but they're not always available. So unfortunately, if we are unable to communicate 
well enough to understand each other, we are not able to help that particular client. And Cheryl, I'd like to add something if, if I can. Um, so we realize the challenges um, with language barriers. And one thing that Envy Rides has been working on over the last couple of years is a partnership with um, a local community-based organization called the Dulles Area Transportation Association. And um, they are focused mainly on um, alternative uh, solutions to commuting. Um, and so we work very closely with them and they are our partner in recruiting or helping us to recruit non-English speaking volunteer drivers, um, mainly for the partners that we work with in the West or Northwest part of Fairfax County. However, um, we are working uh, closely with them to look at the um, eastern part of um, Fairfax and Arlington and McLean Falls Church. And so we're really trying to increase our capacity in that respect as well so that we're able to provide services to those who have language barriers. Well, that's good to know since we have so many people from other parts of the world here that uh, we're trying to meet the needs of as many residents as possible. So I just wanted to kind of clarify then uh, at the Shepherds Center, so if somebody needs a ride, is there a, something called an appointment driver? Or just wanted to make sure that people understand who they should call if they need to get um, somebody to take them. Sure, sure. Um, again, our, our main phone number is 703-506-2199 is the number to call. There is a prompt that um, lets you know which uh, you should choose, which is option number one. And um, all you do is leave a message. There is not someone there that answers the phone for this particular Shepherd Center. We have a position called a ride coordinator who is one of our volunteers. And that person is hearing those messages. That person is receiving any email request that comes through. And they immediately uh, place that request for a ride into the system. And then it is sent out to all of the volunteers and 98% um, of the time, one of the volunteers picks that up through the system. So all they need to do is call and leave the information. If the ride coordinator has any questions, for example, perhaps a rider has neglected to mention the time or the location of the doctor's office, they'll simply call them, identify themselves as the ride coordinator, get the details they need, and let them know that they are then placing the ride request for um, a volunteer to pick it up. Okay. And Carol, earlier in the program, you had mentioned, because we're getting close to the end of the program here, if somebody is interested in a handy helper, volunteer, or friendly caller and visitors, these programs also, you can access that information on the website? Absolutely. The website has uh, buttons for, um, you know, volunteer, friendly callers, um, particular needs that you might have. So easy to find the answer. Also, when you make a phone call, you're prompted if you want the handy helper or friendly caller, it's a different option. So it's it's a pretty easy system to use. And uh, we've had quite a few calls for handy helpers and uh, of course, many more recently for the friendly caller. Because the one question I did want to spend a little time with is about how can individuals volunteer at Shepherd Center uh, is there an age requirement, a commitment for service? What would you uh, tell us? 
Sure. Um, anyone 21 and older can volunteer. And we, of course, tend to have older folks because they are retired and they have the time. But we love it when we can get um, kind of a more international and intergenerational approach to volunteering. We provide training, which is currently online, and we're liking it so much, we'll probably continue with online training. Uh, we pay for the background check for the volunteers, of course, as Jennifer mentioned earlier. Um, the volunteers can simply fill out an online application or they can um, require one be sent to them. Um, and there, the beauty of it, which is what I was looking for when I was retiring, is that there is no time commitment. Um, you can choose a ride that fits in your schedule. You have Friday afternoon available, pick a ride for that time frame. No time commitment. Some of our drivers drive three or four times a week, some drive once a month. It fits into your particular schedule. If you like to travel and you don't, you're not able to volunteer at that point when you're on travel, that works for us too. We love to have a variety of folks that are available at different points, but it's extremely flexible, easy to sign up for, um, and easy to be trained for. The roles differ from driver to the ride coordinator, handyman, friendly visitor. We also welcome anyone who has some technology expertise for support on our website or on Facebook. Fundraising ideas are always welcome, event planning, um, and even a board member. Periodically, we're looking for new board members who can help sort of steer the ship, if you will. Um, so I, I hope that answers that question. Yes, and, and either Carol or Jennifer, in terms of volunteer drivers, should there be an accident? Is the volunteer driver protected then? Do they use their own insurance or how, how does that work? So um, all of our volunteer drivers do use their own um, auto insurance. That is primary. However, each of our partners are required to have an umbrella insurance policy in the event that um, there is an incident that is above and beyond what the driver's insurance would cover. Thank God, um, knock wood, I'm sitting on a wood desk that we have not had um, any issues like that. But we do have record um our drivers are required to provide their insurance um, information and expiration as well as their driver's license. It's really no different than if a your neighbor was, just like Carol mentioned earlier in the show, if your neighbor was taking you to a doctor's appointment or an errand, it would be the uh, driver primary. Um, but each organization is backed by a policy that covers them in the event of something larger. Okay. Well... Each of you, give us the website of your organization, and that'll be great. For Shepherd Center, it is scmafc.org, and the phone number is 703-506-2199, where you will leave a message. You can visit us online at www nvrides.org, or you can call us at 703-537-3071, or send an email to info at nvrides.org. 
Well, I want to thank Jennifer Canera with NV Rides and Carol Edelstein with Shepherd Center of Arlington, McLean, and Falls Church for joining me today. If you want to learn about Aging Matters, visit our website, www.agingmattersonline.com, and you will find at that site information about all radio programs, TV show content, and a way to access the Apple and Spotify podcast, which is where this program will eventually be uploaded to. So, and by the way, when you're on the website of Aging Matters, be sure to subscribe to the Aging Matters monthly email newsletter. Then each month, at the end of the month, you'll get updates about new radio shows and TV episodes. I want to thank Ink Mouth Media for handling the technical aspects of today's program. And of course, as always, Thank you for listening to Aging Matters. And remember, age is just a number, not a label. I'll be back again with you next week. Aging Matters is sponsored in part by the Aging Life Care Association, an organization of aging life care professionals. Aging life care professionals offer guidance, advocacy, and support for older adults and their families in order to maximize quality of life. An aging life care professional can be there for your loved one when you can't be. More information about the Aging Life Care Association is available at www.midatlanticalca.org.